Hi, this is Ben Lowell of Back to the Bible Canada and Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. And now we'll be continuing our series in Truth and Life Today with the subject of evangelism in today's culture. Uh, so just before we get there, uh, if you're viewing us today, I want you to know how else you can view us. You can view us on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, on Facebook, on iTunes, and at backtothebible.ca. And if you want more information about the ministry or you'd like to support the ministry of Back to the Bible Canada, uh, you can go to backtothebible.ca and make a donation there. Well, Dr. Neufeld, welcome again today. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. And, and you know, I think what we're going to be talking about today, which is something that's you know, we've talked about many, many times, and it's become pretty obvious that it's pretty close to your heart. And uh, so I just want you to share a little bit, a bit about your own passion for evangelism. Yeah, I've wondered, you know, where should my passion come from, or anyone's passion for that matter? And I think it has to come, first of all, first and foremost, not because of the plight of the lost, it's important, but because of the glory of God. Okay. It, it seems impossible to me that there should be a vestige of this earth that is not under the Lordship of Jesus. Well, everything is under the Lordship of Jesus, but that should not be aware of Christ and His Lordship. That should not be aware of the saving news of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Seems horrible to me that in what has been called the 1040 window, that this place where the majority of the human world lives, you know, that, that we still have great vast areas where there is no church and there's no mention of the name of Jesus and children are not taught about the glories of the one who came for them. You know, I mean, that just seems unacceptable to me. Yeah. And then, of course, there is, as I've said, the plight of the lost. Now, the reality is that people don't go to hell not because they don't, they're not Christians. That, we've never said that. People go to hell because of their sins. Okay. You know, our sins testify against us, and on Judgment Day, we will need to give an account for every sin that we have committed. How shall we stand on that day? And so the only answer is, you need an advocate before the Father. And Jesus is the advocate who advocates because of his blood that was shed on, on the cross for you. So, I mean, I think those two motivations should drive us always to making the gospel heard. You know, I think it's really interesting, and I don't know if I've heard it exactly like that, but obviously, you know, most of us would evangelize because we believe that if people don't receive Jesus, they're going to go to hell, right? And that's good motivation. There's nothing wrong with that motivation. But to prioritize the motivation about, but it's much more important that people understand who this glorious God oh. is and what he's done for you. Absolutely. Because there is nothing greater yeah. than God. Yeah. Uh, and there is no greater joy that any human can have yeah. than to know the one God. That is joy. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, because we're always often, anyways, Christians are looked at as being negative. You know, it, I, I, you know, bringing or addressing people in a negative way often is very difficult. You know, you need to accept Jesus because of this bad thing that's going to happen to you. Yeah, yeah. But in essence, you need to know Jesus because of this incredible God who sent his son for you. In a very real way, Ben, it just seems to me that, you know, the Bible contains a carrot and a stick. You know, the carrot ahead of us is there is no greater joy. You were created for this. In fact, creation itself is an expression of the, of the joy of God. He creates out of his fullness. Yeah. And so we are an expression of his fullness. Yeah. And we ourselves can't know fullness until we know the one who, know, who, who, uh, who made us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, the stick is always there. Yeah. Our sins are an affront to the holiness of God. So that our sins testify against us. 
and God will defend his holiness against us. So that's the stick. Yeah. So, you know, turn from your sins and come to the place where mercy is to be found. Okay. Here's a question for you. We went through a, a, a season, I guess to some degree we still go through this season of, of identifying spiritual gifts, of which one of them would have been defined as evangelism. Now, for me that meant that some people were evangelists and some weren't. So some took the responsibility of telling the story and others not so much. Yeah. Would you think that yeah. that should be the responsibility of all believers? You know, it's a funny thing about the gifts of the Spirit because we can't actually, I've never heard one excellent definition of all of the gifts yeah. because they're so varied. Uh, and the reality is, if I were to compare the gift of evangelism, let's say, with uh, a gift of helps, right? So it's a genuine gift. So I say, well, I don't have the gift of helps, so Ben, you happen to be in trouble right now. I'm not gonna help you, I just don't have a gift. Sorry about that, right? So none of us would say that. And so if I run up to, I have a neighbor, I have a work colleague, I have somebody that I meet at the gym where I go and work out and I've come to know that person. You know, I have a relative, uh, whoever's in my extended family and household, um, they need to know Christ. Yeah. Would I say, well, I just don't have the gift of evangelism, so why would I bother to learn how to present Christ to them? Yeah. I, mean, I just can't imagine such a thing. So as a matter of fact, there is a duty that all of us have to the glory of God to make Christ known and the glory of God known. So I just can't be a good friend? You know, I think you can be a good friend, but how, Ben, would you be a good friend if Christ were not a part of that conversation? Is he not your all in all? Yeah. How does it not... How does Christ not bubble out of you? And by the way, I've, I've taken to doing this everywhere I go now, you know, pay for a coffee somewhere, and I say, God bless you. I yeah. want God talk to be everywhere. Yeah. I want it to be, you know, Canadians talk about weather, we talk about hockey. Let's talk about God. Let's make it acceptable that everywhere we go, somebody mentions God. Isn't it interesting you just mentioned that God bless because I sort of try to integrate that into my daily, daily walk whether I'm talking to somebody on the phone or I'm eating at a restaurant and the person that's taking care of us there. And I always say God bless and it's always a very interesting reaction. Never have I had a negative reaction from saying God bless to someone. Yeah, most people don't. I've had, but that's rare, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It is rare. I think we can also introduce things about Christ. So somebody will say, well, that was so lucky. And I'll say, you know what? I just sense the mercy of my Savior Jesus in this matter. Why not say that? I mean, we would say it in church. You know, it's a funny thing. I also say to people that, you know, when you're in church and someone says, you know, I've got this great need. My kids are rebelling, let's say, or, you know, my aunt has cancer, whatever. We always, can you pray for me? And I always say, well, can I pray right now? So why should it be any different if I'm at work and someone says, you know, I'm going through a real struggle right now. Why, why would it be so difficult to say, can I pray for you? Yeah. And then just put your hand on that person's shoulder and just pray and, and pray do it at the moment. and do it right there yeah. and then say in the name of Jesus. And you know what, all the years I've done that, one time I had a person who just hated me for it. Um, you know, he felt like he'd been bitten by a snake that someone prayed for him. But outside of that, most people are unbelievably thankful because they've never heard anyone ever praying for anyone in their culture. And certainly they've never had anyone praying for them. And most people find it overwhelming for the first time. It is the greatest blessing that's ever happened to them. Yeah. Why don't we just do that? Yeah. You know, a few weeks ago we talked about the persecution of Christians around the world. And one of the things I, I don't know if we touched on right then and there, but was this 
this, the, the reality that wherever people are being persecuted, the church is growing. Yeah. And so we look around the world, and then we look at North America, and we look in Canada, and we look at sort of the, uh, the European Canadians who seem so, so difficult to reach. Why is that? It's, it's an interesting question. I, I'm, I've long believed in God's sovereignty and touching people of uh, different people groups at different times. Um, however, it does seem like there's a history in the Western world, um, and that history is due to, I think, a number of factors. I think for me, the biggest factor that one has to discuss is what is the nature of liberal Christianity? Liberal Christianity has been the most corrosive thing that the Christian church has ever dealt with, at least as I can think of in the, in the modern era. And wherever liberalism has gone, and mistrust in scripture in the church. Okay. Now we can talk about how we got there. I might you know, talk about the Tübingen School in Germany in 1901 and you know, the, the Graf-Wellhausen hypothesis, and that's a lot of stuff that I just don't think I will get into right now. But simply to say, it, this has been corrosive. Wherever there has been a mistrust in the word inside the church, it has decimated the church. The greatest difficulty the church has faced in the West is, is, is a lack of confidence in the scripture from our own clergy and our own leaders, hmm. from our educational institutions, from, from within has been the greatest onslaught. Now, of course, the wider Western world has also been an issue, but I still think that's the biggest issue we've had. Wherever you've had a return to scripture, scripture teaching, encouraging people to be confident in the God of the Bible and in the gospel that was given to us, the church grows by nature. So, I mean, we can look at the Lutheran church, for instance, in Germany that led the way towards liberalism and it's basically dead. I mean, you've got these huge cathedrals and nobody goes. Yeah. I mean, they kill themselves. What is our opportunity in North America? Yeah, I have long believed if you want to do evangelism, start picking low-hanging fruit before you go for the stuff that's hard to reach. Yeah. So what's low-hanging fruit in this Canada? And there's an easy answer, one word answer, Ben, immigrants, okay. immigrants. My, my, God by his sovereign grace is bringing immigrants by the score into this nation. And many of them want to know about the Christian faith. I remember years ago, I had two men from another religion come to my office and say, we just heard that the Christian God was raised from the dead. Is that true? And I said, oh, men, I'm so glad you came. I'd like to tell you what happened 2,000 years ago. And I told them the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And those guys were spellbound. I've never sat with a European Canadian you know, European origin Canadian, and had that kind of a conversation. Yeah. I remember once coming to a woman from Near Eastern origin, and, and she said to me, I've been looking for God, but I'm aware that I'm unacceptable for, for God. Could you tell me, can someone like me find my way to God? How many European Canadians have you heard ever asking you that, Ben? I think if we would, as Canadian Christians, open our hearts, begin to look around our neighborhoods and deliberately form friendships with immigrants and share the gospel with them, we'd be amazed there are cultures all over the world where the most common thing in the world is to talk about God. Isn't it interesting? You know, we used to send people out to the mission field 
And now the mission field in some respects is coming to us and God is placing them right at our doorstep. Yeah. And uh, we're, you know, we have a country that's embracing them. Uh, and now we have an incredible opportunity to, uh, to share the gospel, the good news. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I mean, if you think about native-born Canadians hardly have kids, right? Their birth rate is so low. So we're going out of existence. You know, immigrants are coming in because God is bringing them. And I just, my my prayer would be that individual Christians, churches, let's all just wake up. This is a divine appointment. This is an hour that God has brought us. We we should see that the harvest, you know, the fields are white unto harvest, as Jesus said. And so go and pray that Lord would send more workers in the harvest field, people with a passion for the gospel who believe the whole Bible, know how to articulate it. And if they don't want to learn more, and uh, let's get involved. And, and out of that, I would say, you know, begin to, you know, you get enough people who are asking questions. I mean, you could go to your church leadership or your pastor say, I need someone to train me or somebody else. I'd like to start a Bible study with a bunch of immigrants in my community that want to know about Christianity for the first time. This is what's so surprising to many of us. We've grown up in this culture. It's never, we, we've not conceived of this, Ben, that it is normal in many cultures in the world to have God talk, to talk about God. In our culture, it seems like an intrusion. It seems like a stink bomb in a polite party. Yeah. But in most cultures of the world, that's not the case. Yeah. So yeah. seize the opportunity, here it is. Yeah. So if we were to talk to somebody, a young person or a young adult, and they're saying to you, you know, I, I live in this very secular environment today, how do I go about sharing my faith with them in such a way that doesn't cause confrontation or conflict. Yeah, and so the the reality is, I've talked about low-hanging fruit. Now, this is the more difficult fruit to reach. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be trying to reach that. Um, But I do think that there are a number of ways to to talk to people who have a secular bent. I think most of the time, people with a secular bent realize that there's a huge vacuum inside of themselves. I Mm. I mean, why are they running out after, you know, after sex, after entertainment? until, and you know, we, we have all of this stuff because we're trying to fill up what's lacking in our lives. And then the people that we admire, I mean, Hollywood stars, I mean, they've all gone through three, four, five divorces. It's because they can't live with anyone. Their lives are so empty. So let's not make them the, 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 the people that we seek after. So I think that the best way to reach the secular mind is to, to reach them on the basis of their yearning for happiness and that there is no greater happiness than to know the Creator who made you and understands how you should function. Hmm. So I, I think that's the, the starting place. And you would enter into that through just yeah. daily sort of conversation. Find out who the person is, find out who they are, yeah. find out the pain in their lives, find out where they're unfulfilled. Yeah. Um, and one of the places to start as well is to, to tell someone your own testimony. It's powerful, it's powerful. Yeah. Just. This is what Christ has done in my life. And make sure that you can articulate it. I always say to people, maybe you ought to rehearse it. It's true, doesn't mean it's, you know, you can rehearse something that's true. You can rehearse it in a way that's two minutes long, five minutes long, 10 minutes long. And you know, don't bore people to tears, but maybe in five minutes, tell people how Christ has changed your life. Yeah. People are fascinated to know that kind of stuff. And you know, undoubtedly there'll be objections. Yep. Uh, when you uh, approach people and talk about Jesus. Uh, I think uh, often there's conflict, and that's to be expected in some respects. Uh, But we had a question that came in uh, from a listener, 
and they were talking about uh, understanding the Bible. And uh, this might be a, a, an issue, an objection that people might come up with. In essence, they were saying, if I can't understand the Bible, if I can't understand what the Bible is saying, uh, how, can I really think that the whole thing is really relevant to me, that it's infallible, that it's actually the, God, the Word of God? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've struggled because I, I knew that question was coming, and I've struggled to try to understand the question. Yeah. Um, just because something's true doesn't mean it's easy. Okay. Yes, because some things that are true require a great deal of effort to understand. Um, so we shouldn't think that all of our Bible is easy. I keep saying that the main thing is the, is the main thing. Christ died for our sins. That's easy. You, you should be able to understand it. But I believe it was Augustine, maybe it was someone else that said it, but I think it was, who said that the Bible is such that a child can understand it. It's that simple. And yet as we begin to understand it, we begin to recognize that it goes above the neck and over our heads in many occasions. So the, the more deeply one enters into Scripture, the more one recognizes this stretches us. So that doesn't mean that we can't understand it. It does mean it requires work at times. Uh, sometimes the background of a passage is important. Often the grammar of a text is important. I mean, sometimes I've struggled with a given pa passage and I look at the grammar and say, I'm not so sure which way it goes. So I have to keep on working at it, working at it, working at it. That's okay. So I, I, I'm trying to understand how that might say that the Bible is not infallibly true. Um, yes, it is sometimes. There are issues that, that we need to work at. And I would guess in your life, as, as, as you've been seeking God out, it's been those difficult things to understand that have actually pulled you deeper oh, into I God's Word. I love it. I, I love coming to a text that'll say, wow, this seems like a contradiction. And whenever I say that, I know it's a point of learning. I know it's not a contradiction. I know it seems like it. So obviously, I've not, understand, I've not understood the text rightly. So maybe I should study more diligently. Yeah. And it's that diligent study that suddenly you get this aha moment and you say, Lord, I, I, I just realizing that you're a lot greater than I thought you were. Yeah. So I think those are the things that happen to us when we come to the difficulties in the text. How would you encourage someone today to go speak the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ? I would say the place that we always begin is to say, Lord, make me the kind of person that I'm constantly in communication with, with you. I want you to be my highest joy. See, if, if my highest joy is, you know, how's my team going to do in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the hockey, uh, you know, playoffs, whatever we call that thing, the Stanley Cup or what we have here, you know, and that becomes your highest joy, then evangelism is going to seem like it's canned and, you know, you've got to do it. It's going to seem like it's something that's, you know, unnatural to your life. But if Christ is your highest joy, and if, if, if the thing that, that motivates and stirs you most is him, really hard to shut up about this stuff. Yeah. So I think we need to get filled with the Holy Spirit, Ben. Yeah. That's what needs to happen. We need to find Christ our highest joy. And what would you say today to the viewer that might not know Christ? Yeah, I would say to the viewer that doesn't know Christ, the reason so much doesn't make sense in your life is because you haven't met the one who created you. You are in a disruptive relationship with your Creator. You've conducted warfare with Him. But the good news is that the one who created you is offering you a way to be reconciled to Him. 
and you can come to realize why you were made. You can know the purpose of your life. And the place to start is you need to learn about Jesus. You need to learn that he lived and he died for you and that he paid the penalty for your sins so that you could be reconciled to God and that because you can be reconciled to God, you can surrender your life into his hands. You can ask him to forgive your sins and to make you his child. If you do that in faith, you'll be a new creation and your life will start anew. Thanks so much, John. And I want to encourage any of our viewers that may not know the Lord today uh, to go to backtothebible.ca and then there you'll find uh, some information on how you can accept Jesus into your life and uh, steps you can take beyond that, including uh, getting together with a, a local congregation or church, a Bible-believing church. Thanks so much, John. God bless. And we look forward to meeting again soon. We hope you're enjoying the new Truth in Life Today show with Dr. John Newfeld. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode each week. But we want you to be involved in the show. To submit your own personal questions to Dr. John, you can email us at info at backtothebible.ca or find us on Facebook by searching Truth in Life Today.